I got some good news today. There's a lot of good news going on today. If you're a Fortnite fan, I'm going to start it off with, with this, you know what I mean? If you're a Fortnite fan, the wait is over. Any video game player, I'm guessing, but they're starting with Fortnite, that you can now play cross-platforms. And it's dope. Like So, they, there's a list that says you who can play, but it's pretty much PS4, so the PlayStation, uh, Xbox, Switch, iPhone, uh, Androids, everybody. Everybody can play together. So, that's going to be dope. So, now me and my friends who've been, like, held apart... Like, you know, we've been slaves to our system. Now we can, like, hold hands. You know, there's been a lot of uh, achievements in life, right? There's There's been the Berlin Wall. There's been the end of slavery. And oh, so many, like, uncountable events. But I feel that maybe cross-platform is another one of those barriers that we brought down. And that's great. I think we're we're moving along as a race and as a people. And everything's going everything's gonna to be all right. So that's that's the news for Fortnite. Second big news, the second trailer for Creed 2, the spin-off of the Rocky movies came out and it's dope. Michael B Jordan is like beautiful. He's huge. He's like fucking you thought he was big in uh in Black Panther which he was. He's like maybe bigger in this movie but without all those like little polka dots on him. So he's not like all look like he got bit up by like 100 mosquitoes. So, you know, he's, like, training. He's running with Rocky. He got the truck following him. He's running in the desert. He has to fight Drago. And the reason that's a big deal is because in the old Rocky movies, when Apollo Creed fought Drago, that's when Drago says, if he dies, he dies. Right? That's also a meme. Boom. Drago kills Creed. So now Creed's son is fighting Drago's son. So that's going to be dope. That's going to be dope to see. But, you know, Michael B. Jordan in the movie, now he has, he's married to Chick. That was his girl in the in the first movie. They have a little baby together. So it says things like, this time I'm fighting for something more than myself. You know what I mean? So it's going to be fun to see how that plays out. And I'm really excited for it because I'm a huge boxing movie, boxing fan. And I'm a huge movie fan. So everything's going to be it. Another another thing that happened since the last episode, Will Smith, I I know you're listening, so happy birthday, bro. I followed your career since I was a kid, and you was out there moving to Bel Air. So happy birthday, Will. You know, I hope you have many more. I'm glad to see, uh, I got to see you jump out of the helicopter over the Grand Canyon for your birthday. That's amazing. Yo, keep it up, man. Hope you have a, stay blessed, you know? Ah, my boy Will, my boy Will. What else happened? So this rapper named Lil Xan, right? This dude got sent to the hospital. And you know a lot of rappers have beef because they hood, they street. You know, maybe you got shot up on the street, selling drugs. Somebody broke into your house, stole your jewelry. But not Lil Xan, guys. Lil Xan got sent to the hospital because he ate too many hot Cheetos. And like, I don't know. I don't know the nutritional facts for hot Cheetos, but they can't be good for you. You know? So um, he ate too many hot Cheetos. They fucking burned a hole in the lining of his stomach. So now he got like digestive juices pouring into his like kidney stone. I don't know. I don't know how the inner workings of a human being go, but don't eat too many hot Cheetos. I'm sure he doesn't eat a lot of like square meal, square meals. You know, I don't know if you noticed it. My name is Dr. Devil Barber Chef, the chef part. And I know a little bit about food. You know, I know, I know, I know the basic layouts of food and the basics of the, the universe. So. Y'all gotta ask me anything. If you ever need any help with anything, just ask me. So the 11th season of Doctor Who came out. I haven't, like, I'm a huge Doctor Who fan. If you were to see me in person, I don't look like the type. If you look at me and you're like, oh, that dude definitely doesn't watch Doctor Who. First of all, you shouldn't judge people. You shouldn't profile people. All right? And second of all, I'm a huge Doctor Who fan. And at first, like, I would see it, you know, and then my sister told me about it. She's like, yo. I fucks with Doctor Who. And then she was coming over to my house and we would, she would put it on and I would like listen to it while I was doing, you know, other shit around the house. Like I was working on a banner at the time for my brother who, uh, my brother-in-law who was actually uh, coming out of the Marine Corps. So shout out to my brother-in-law, Brandon, and shout out to the to the Marine Corps, to the Marines out there who, you know, taking care, of, taking care of stuff out there. Shout out to y'all. Y'all the real heroes. So. My sister would just put Doctor Who episode, and at first I was like, ah, oh, it's kind of whack, you know, because the, the budget, the first 
because I started watching it the ninth ninth Doctor, so the the budget was kind of low and it was kind of cheesy, and then little by little, it grew on me because it's one of those sci-fi episodes which each episode is a different story, and it's it's amazing really it's a, it's a really cool show if you're like a fan of fiction and science and time travel and all that. So I haven't been keeping up with the Doctors since the thirteenth Doctor. But now they have the new Doctor and the season, the world premiere of season 11 just came out. So that's a, that's a big deal. Shout out to Doctor Who, Time Lords and all that. Bill Cosby. Bill Cosby has been sentenced. He's donezo. Time to do time. You know, he got locked up for doing all this like raping and drugging and all that. He's been sentenced to three to ten years. Damn, three to ten years. So, you know, that must be, oh, you know, living the life that Bill Cosby had. You know, he was a huge success from his his start as a comedian. He went on to be do all these things, all these TV shows and be and creator of all these things. And now at such an old age to be trialed and to be moved into a prison, you know, you've had it all. You've literally been on top of the world. And now every day you wake up in a small cell at the age of he is. He's, oh, man. While we're on the topic of crime and jail and rape, Victor Ortiz, a professional boxer, actually was following his career at one point. But he was he had a fight this weekend against uh, John Molina Jr. And yesterday, he was arrested on three felony assault charges, including forcible rape. So, you know, he got out. I mean, he was released from custody. On a hundred thousand dollar bail, so you know now he he has to deal with that, and so the fight has been canceled. So I'm just gonna say that's your sports news for this week, but and that's crazy. Boxers be boxers always in the in the news, man. That's wild. Uh, I still want to be a boxer, like a little, like professional boxer, and I really think I could do it, but I'm just like out of shape right now, but. Man, if you could have seen me in them days when I was boxing, I had a young, tight body, had a mean right hook. But don't worry, we'll, we'll get the body right, make a YouTube channel, have friends working out and getting getting famous and web famous and all that. It's going to be dope, guys. I hope you follow me there. But anyway, tonight's movie, one of my top three fav- favorite movies. If you, if you follow me and you've listened to the other episodes, my other... Of the top three was V for Vendetta. I hope you enjoyed that. If you haven't listened to that one, you know, go back, check it out, share friends, like, and all that. Uh, I hope I did justice. I felt like maybe I didn't tell it as well, but this next movie is The Count of Monte Cristo. And I love this movie. Every, I just go back and watch it, maybe like every, every once in a while, maybe once or twice a year, just because it's so good. So the way the movie starts off, it's like in the 1700s, right? In France. And and there's a ship off the coast of a small island. And in between the ship and the island, there's a little little uh little boat, little rowboat. And there's the, the two main characters. There's Edmund, the dashing young sailor with like chiseled jaw and very good bone structure. And there's Fernand, the other one. And then also in the rowboat, they have their sick captain, the captain of the ship that they're on. And he has like scurvy or some some kind of disease, right? So he's dying. So Edmund, the good one, he decides to go to the closest island, which is this island. They don't know where they're at. And then Fernand's like, no, we shouldn't do it. This and that. We shouldn't. And then other people on the ship that were on the ship, the second mate who was like in charge, the first mate who was in charge, I'm sorry. The first mate's like, no, we shouldn't do it. We're going to have to let this nigga die, right? So Edmund's like, no, who is actually the second mate. He's like, no, I can't let my captain die. I got to do whatever I can to bring him back, make sure he's good. You know, that's a loyal friend. Edmund's a good good dude. And Fernand, the reason he's there is because they work for Fernand's dad. Fernand's dad owns the ship. He is a representative of the ship. There's the whole reason he's there. So they fucking roll onto this boat. And it's, it's old war times, right? So you got the Redcoats on this island. And they're trying to call for help. But the Redcoats don't see him. So Edmund pulls out an old musket pistol. Shoots it off into the air. 
Redcoats see that. Hey, nigga, what the fuck? And they come back over here. They start running on, on their horses and shit, and they start shooting at them. So, Fernand and Edmund, they're like they're buddies, right? They um they start running away, and they're like at the same time the the redcoats catch up to them, so they have to fight their way out. So they fucking pull out swords, and Fernand, who's the son of the the owner of the company, who's rich, he's like a really good sword fighter because his dad paid for him to learn to sword fight. He's a good sword fighter. So he's like he's like you know fucking these uh, red redcoats up, right? Fucking everybody up. And Edmund, on the other hand, he's pro. He's he's broke. He uh grew up on the ship, learned on the streets. You know, he can't fight good with the sword, but he's like he's like kind of brawling with the sword. He's not elegant with it, right? But he's like kind of losing a little bit. But they got each other's backs. So they're fighting for a good ass minute and they're trying to run away and they run to the top of the hill and they they come to a man and the man's standing there watching everything. And it's Napoleon Bonaparte. Cause this is the times it was in, right? So Napoleon, he's prisoner on this on this uh this island, which is if you check the history records. He was actually really a prisoner on this island during the, during that time. So he's like, kill them if you may, but I assure you they are no they are no friends of mine. Right? So the Redcoats thought they were aliases of this dude that came to break out Napoleon, but no, they weren't. So they tell him the whole story, yo, Captain Sick, we need your help. Could you please help us? Napoleon's, yeah, no problem. Come over to here come over here to my to my 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 uh, my shack or wherever the hell they're living. So they go they got the the doctor looking at the captain, and while they're looking at the captain, Edmund and Fernand they go to the wine cellar, and they're like, "Ha ha! Could you believe it, Edmund? We're in here drinking Napoleon's wine, and you know, you know, it's old times, right? They got a bit of an accent, so they're drinking the wine. Napoleon comes in there, talks to him. He's like, "Yeah, yeah, no problem. Yo, let me talk to you, Edmund. Right? He's like, let me let's take a walk out. I gotta tell you something. So Fernand he's looking at him like, "Yeah, it's kind of suspicious, but whatever. I'm gonna stay here and drink all this wine." So he's walking, right? Edmund and Napoleon, they're walking. And he's like, yo, can I ask you a favor? I need you to take this letter to a friend of mine that lives in your hometown. Can you do that for me? Edmund's like, I don't know. He's like, I don't know, monsieur. Uh, I, I can't, I don't know, you know, because I could get in trouble. And then Napoleon's like, what if I told you that is the cost of using my island and my doctor and, and all the, everything? What if, like, I told you? That's a trade. That's the deal. So Edmund's like, all right, well, if you, if you put it that way, then I have to insist because, you know, yeah, all right, I'll do it. So he does it, right? So then he goes back to the wine cellar with his boyfriend on, drinks some more wine. They fall asleep. Later in the morning, it's like one or three in the morning, Napoleon comes in. He's like, hey, your captain's been dead for an hour. It's time for you to hit the road, Jack. So they get back on their ship and they take off. And now they get to the port at home. So when they get to the port at home, I guess it's like a normal thing to like check in with the harbor master, right? So they have to go and and debrief with the harbor master and tell him everything that happened because you know the captain died while they were out there. So Fernand, not the main character, Fernand, he's like, "All right, bro, I'll meet you at the rock," right? He's like kind of an asshole. He's a douche, bro. He's a fucking chach. So he's like, "I'm gonna." Go. So he's like, "I'll meet you at the rock." You go debrief with old dude over here. Um, we'll meet up later. Like, All right. So now it's Edmund and the first mate, and they're they're uh, debriefing to the old man who's the harbor master. He's like this uh, white hair old man with glasses, right? So he's like, so what happened? So like Edmund's like, look, man, uh, this the first mate told me not to go to this island and to do this, and I disobeyed him because I was trying to save the captain. So like whatever, like whatever the consequences is. I'll, I'll gladly accept, no problem, like, just, you know, whatever happens, and so, you know, okay, so what about you, so he talks to the first mate, and the first mate, like, yeah, I told him it was a stupid idea, and the harbor master's like, yeah, but it's something you should have done, not him, and so he's like, what, that's why Edmund is now gonna get promoted to captain of the ship, so pretty much, instead of the first mate becoming a captain, the second mate jumps over him and becomes ha- captain, so the first mate's pissed as fuck. So he like storms off, right? So the harbor master's like, yeah, you're going to be captain now. So I'm pretty sure there's a special young lady that wants to know the news, right? So he's like, oh, shit, you're right. So he fucking takes her out of the office and then he he runs off somewhere. So then it cuts over to Fernand, right? So Fernand's with this girl. Her name's uh, Mercedes. He's with this chick who just happens to be Edmund's girl. So they're kind of like a, like a trio, little triangle of 
love because he wants her and she's in love with Edmund and Edmund's in love with her, right? So pretty much Fernand's the child. She's just trying to butt in, right? So he just comes out and says, like, when we, why won't you sleep with me? When, when are we going to make love and this and that? And she's like, no, nah, I don't want to. Uh, it's like, no, I don't want to be, any, I don't want anything to do with you because you remember when, when you were a little kid and your dad bought you a pony and Edmund only got a whistle for his birthday and you were so mad because Edmund was happier with his whistle than you were with your pony. So I don't want to be another whistle for you because she's with Edmund and he just, you know what I mean? He's fucking charged. So that shows you like a character that shows you like these characters of personality. So for now, this rich kid that has everything he ever wants. And Edmund's like this poor kid, and he's like just happy with life. And Fernand can't stand it, right? So she's like, so she says, um, "Don't we're gonna get married soon? Like as soon as Edmund becomes captain of his own ship, we're gonna get married, and he'll be able to afford a ring and do this." And like that's when Edmund comes running up. He's like, "Hey guys, guys, you're never gonna believe this. Oh, 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 dude, made me captain of the ship. I'm a captain." I'm a captain, bro. And like Fernand's like, what? Like Fernand, you can see Fernand's face. Like he's like, like his eyes are like wide open. He's like almost like gasping. I like, can't believe it, right? And she's like, oh, and the girl's like, oh my God. Oh my God, baby, I love you. He's like, I know I said I was going to marry you when I become captain, but uh, I can't afford a ring, but I love you. And like, Fernand, what's up, dog? Ain't you happy? And Fernand's like, yeah, man. Congratulations. And he's like, I'll see y'all later. He like, he dips, right? Conversation got real dry after that. You got to notice that in your friends. When you ever like say some good news and your friends like, they ain't really fucking with you. you. You can't feel them vibes. I can feel vibes. If you ain't feeling them vibes, not real friends, man. They want, they want to see your downfall. But anyway, Fernand leaves, and then um, Mercedes and Edmund they go, they go to the beach, right? And they're like hanging out a little campfire, and pretty much they fuck, right? So he's like, I'm sorry. Um, I know I'm a captain now, but I still can't afford to buy you a ring. And she's like, I don't need a ring. And she like gets a little part of her dress. Pulls out like a little white string. And she wraps it around her ring finger. He's like, this is all I need. I just love, I just want to be with you. And you're my baby. And he's like, oh, thanks. You're my baby too. And he's like, you know, chilling there with his hand in his, uh, his head in his hand. He's like twirling his hair. He has like these curls, right? He, and she's like, stop. You're going to go bald. That's like such a bad habit of yours, right? He's like, yeah, whatever, right? So then the uh, scene cuts away. And it shows for Nan. He's, he's drinking at a bar. And he's like, he's not pissed because Edmund, he's now captain, right? So up comes the first mate, the angry first mate that's pissed at Edmund because he's a captain. So he, he sits down with Fernand. He's like, why are you so pissed? And he's like, he starts telling him some shit, some shit about Fernand brings up the letter that Napoleon gave to him. And they're like, what? What are you talking about, bro? So he tells the first mate everything about the letter. And then you see that while Edmund was sleeping on the ship on the way back, Fernand snuck in there, took the letter, read it, and put it back like if nothing happened. So he told the first mate, and they went and they told their buddy, a, a prosecutor, right? Like some kind of lawyer-type prosecutor person. So then it cuts away. Edmund's having dinner with his dad, who's his only living relative, and his girlfriend. And then, you know, his friends. So they got wine and stale bread, and there's a campfire and everything, and they're like, oh, dad, and the dad's like, happy as fuck, he's like, Edmund, I'm so happy, because you're a captain now, and everything, everything's gonna be cool, you know, he's gonna marry, he's gonna marry Mercedes, he's a captain, everything's, everything's looking up, we're gonna make it, we're gonna be alright, and in busting the police, and like, hey, get the fuck down, he's like, are you Edmund, yeah, yeah, what's going on, come on, and they fucking put a bag over his head, and they take him away, and the dad's like, oh, no, what happened? What happened? And the, the the wife's like, leave him alone. He just got back. And they take him away anyway, right? So now he's in the prosecutor's office, and he's talking to Edmund. And he's like, Edmund, um, is it true that you brought a letter? He's like, yeah, yeah, I got the letter right here. And he's like, he gives him the letter. He's like, is it true that Napoleon gave it, to, gave it to you to give it to somebody else or whatever, right? He's like trying to figure everything out. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, um... He, I asked him, who do I give it to? And he said, don't worry, they'll find you. And no one's came up to me, so I still have the letter. You know, and now you have it. So nobody knows about it and anything, right? He's like, okay, well, look, um, you're good to go. Like, I know you're, I, I can tell you're innocent. Like, yeah, you're dumb for doing that, but I can tell you're innocent. You look like a good guy. So he goes over there, and he starts, like, writing his freedom papers and everything. And he's like, yo, just out of curiosity, who did he say the letter was for? And he said, I don't know, like, uh. Some guy named Monsieur Clarion. And then the prosecutor's eyes widen. 
And he's like, like Monsieur Clairon. Okay, um, yo, I'm gonna have the guards bring around my my personal my personal carriage to take you home, all right? So that way you don't gotta worry about it. And then he goes over to his desk, and the letter that Edmund had just gave him, he holds it over the candle because it's candlelight times. Holds it over the candle, and he burns the letter. And then Edmund goes outside, right? And the guards take him to the petty, uh, to the carriage, and he put him in there. And he sees that there's bars on the windows, and he turns around. And he's like, "Oh shit, I think it was a mistake." And they slam the door in his face, and there's bars on the door. He's like, "No, no, guys, it was a mistake. It was a mistake." And he's like yelling at the guards, and he's like trying to call the prosecutor. And the prosecutor's like standing at the door, looking at him. He's like, "Sir, sir," he's trying to call him. Right? He thinks it was a mistake, and the sir turns around and goes into his office, and then the paddy wagon just takes him away. Right? So he's just like sitting in the back of the paddy wagon. He's like looking out the windows and eventually they, they stop, right? They stop at the the docks, the harbor. And these two guards, they take him out. They're about to put him on this little boat. And he's all, he's like tied up and shit. And he fucking like pushes one of the guards over, kicks the other one in the legs. And he like takes off running. And he like unhooks one of the one of the horses from the carriages. And he takes off running. Like I guess to the only place, who only person who he thinks he can help him, right? So he goes straight to Fernand's house. It's this big ass mansion. And he, oh, be busting open. He's like, Fernand, Fernand, please help me. They think I did something wrong. And they find out about this letter. And Fernand's like, what letter? Napoleon gave me a letter I didn't tell you because he promised, you know, he made me promise not to tell nobody, man. I'm sorry. But the cops are after me. He's like, I, I need to get away. He's like, you need money? He's like, yeah. He's like, what do you got? Are you armed? He's like, no, I don't have any weapons. Good. And he pulls out this sword off the wall. And he starts, like, pointing it at him. He's like, Fernand, not right now, man. Like, I don't got time to play. He's like, no, no. He's like, I hate you. He's like, I'm the one that told the cops. He's like, what? You? Fernando, you were my friend, right? He's really hurt. He's, he's crying. He's like, Fernando, why did you do this? He's like, because I'm the son of a millionaire and you're the son of a, of a you know, like, of a harbor worker. I shouldn't want to be you. I hate you. I hate you, Edmund. And like, fucking right when that happens, he's like, he's like cutting him up a little bit, like stabbing him, like fighting him with the sword because like Edmund can't fight. So Edmund had pulled a sword off the wall and he's kind of like trying to fight, but he's like slow and he doesn't really know how to use the sword. So Fernand's fucking him up a little bit. He's like, I hate you. I hate you because you're so much better than me and so much handsomer than me. That's why. So then by then the cops show up, right? And the cops are taking him away. And he's like, Fernand says, hold on. And he goes over to the table where the chest set's at. And he takes up the king piece and he tosses it to him. Because earlier in the movie, that's a little thing they do. is like, works out for you. You're the king of the moment. So they whoever whoever the king of the moment is, they toss the king piece to him. Right? It's a little game they've always played when they were kids and they was growing up. So he's like, here, take this. The guards are about to take him. He's like, take this to remember me, right? So Edmund has a king piece. And the guards take him away. The next day, it shows Fernand acting like he don't know what happened. He goes with Mercedes and Edmund's dad to the prosecutor's office. And he's like... They start like, yo, you you let uh, Edmund go right now. My dad is this person, this person. You, I demand you let him go. He's like, no, I can't let you go because I can't let him go because he committed treason. And then when we were taking him to the to the prison, he killed one of my guards. So now he's gonna spend life in prison, even though he didn't really kill that guard. He just knocked him into the water. But they're trying to make him disappear, right? So the family leaves, but Edmund stays in there with the prosecutor. And the prosecutor's like, you know, when you told me about Edmund, I didn't understand why you would, you would betray him. But now that I see his girl, I understand completely, right? So he's like, well, maybe in the future there's ways we can help each other out, right? Because Fernand's dad is like this rich company owner that runs everything. And then the prosecutor's dad is like some old, some old like war lunatic, right? Who just happens to be Monsieur Clarion, the man who was the letter was intended to. And because Edmund was the only person that knows that the old man had a letter from napoleon he had to get rid of edmund so it wouldn't hurt his career as a prosecutor to move up in the ranks so now you understand why the prosecutor burned the letter right so edmund uh fernand tells this guy he's like yeah maybe in the future there's ways we can help each other right he's like yeah bet so now they have like a little alliance they're friends they're gonna do shady shit together that's the way the law works so now it cuts over Back to Edmund. And Edmund is now in this castle-looking prison on the side of a steep-ass fucking cliff right next to the ocean. Creepy-looking castle, right? It's called 
the Chateau d'If. And he walks into the he walks into there and he's like talking to the warden, right? Like you only ever see in the prison, you only ever see the warden and like two guards, right? And he tells the warden, Monsieur, please, I know, I know you must hear this a lot, but believe me, I'm innocent. What is this? I know you're innocent. Do you? I know, I know you're innocent. And he's like, why are you, why are you making fun of me? Why are you mocking me, sir? He's like, no, think about it. There's 30 other prisons closer to where you live. Why would they send, why would they send you to my prison? To Chateau d'If? They send people here when they don't want to see these people ever again. When people need to disappear, they send them to me. And I know you're innocent. Everyone in here is innocent. That's what this prison is for, right? So Edmund's like, damn, bro, this fucked up, right? He's about, the warden's like, come on, let me show you to your cell. So he takes him to his cell. He's walking. They get to the cell. And the warden explains, I like to have traditions in the prison, right? So a way to help me help you remember how long you've been here is every day of your anniversary another year here in the prison i'm gonna come to your room and i'm gonna beat the fuck out of you i'm gonna whip you beat the shit out of you right and since today's your first day it's your first beating so in the cell it's like the stone walls very high up there's a tiny little window with bars on it there's like stone floors but in the wall over here, it's carved in stone. It says, God will give me justice. And the warden says, it's funny how people find God in here. God isn't here. And Edmund says, God is every God is everywhere. He has to do with everything. He has everything to do with it. While he's getting hung up, like his hands are being raised and chained up. And like they lift his shirt up. Edmund says, God has everything to do with it. God is everywhere. He says, God is everywhere. And the warden says, really? Because God usually is in France this time of year. But I'll tell you what. I'm going to start whipping you. And I I promise I'll stop the moment he shows up. And he starts whipping him. Boom. Lashing as his back. Boom. And Edmund's screaming, right? He's like, oh, oh, oh damn. Right? This shit hurts. And he's getting whipped the fuck. They need to drop his ass on the fucking dirt. And they let him go. And the warden leaves laughing, right? I feel like warden is like evil. I picture like every prison warden like this dude, just like thin, wiry, like like shoulder length hair and creepy. I'm I'm guessing some time has gone by since this, because now Edmund is like in the floor, all dirty, right? It shows him he's like counting all his rocks on the walls, trying not to lose his mind. And then one day he just he just curled up in the middle of the floor, right in a fetal position, just like crying. He can't believe this is what's happened. And he's looking in the middle of the room, and in the middle of the floor, one of the rocks, one of the tiles is moving, loosening up. And then you see it lift up, and it keeps right. He's like, what the fuck? He's looking at it, and, the, and an old man's head pops up, and he turns and looks at him. And he's like looking around, and Edmund like screams, right? He screams, and he like goes to his corner, and then like an old man like come, crawls out of the hole, right? And he's like looking around. He's like looking at the cell. He's laughing. <laughs> I must have dug in the wrong direction. So the dude's like, "What the fuck? What's going on?" Edmund's like, "What's going on? Who the hell are you?" He's like, "Oh, I'm a I'm a prisoner here. This and that." He's like, "Oh, I like um." The old man says, "I like the the thing on your wall. God will give me justice." And he says, "There's no talk of God in here. God isn't here." So now you've seen that the time that Edmund's been in here when he first got here, he said, "God has everything to do with it." God has everywhere. And he was even like carving in the words, God has given me justice. You know, God will give me justice. But now he's, he's, he's lost that. He doesn't see that anymore. Maybe in his, in his own mind, he's, he's clouded with revenge and he's only been thinking about, you know, what he's going to do eventually if he ever gets out, but it has nothing to do with God anymore. He doesn't, he doesn't write on the walls anymore. He doesn't carve those words in. So he tells this guy, Hey, priest, he calls him priest. There's no talk of God in here. So he's like, oh, priest is like, oh, you young man, right? Y'all so wild. So he's like, come here, I want to show you something. The, old, the priest says, come, he takes him to his cell. He takes him to this tunnel. Boom. Now he's in his room and he shows him, yeah, I got he, Old dude has a chair, has a table, has books, but he doesn't have a window. Edmund has a window. So he's like, you know, he's able to look at that. That's so good. 
thing for the priest. So he says, the the priest starts doing like calculations. He's like, hey, we uh, we're together and we do this and then we should be able to dig out of here in three years. And Edmund's like, what? Three years? I'm not going to help you dig for three years. And he's like, what? Do you have something better to do? And then Edmund thinks about it. And no, he doesn't have anything better to do. But he looks around at Priest. And, and Priest says, tell you what, in exchange for your work and you help me, I'll teach you everything I've ever learned. I'll teach you how to do this, how to do that. And then like, he says, will you teach me to read and write? He's like, yeah, of course I'll teach you to read and write. So now you know that the letter that Napoleon gave to him, Edmund didn't even know what it says because he, he didn't know how to read or write. All he knew was the streets and the sailing, right? So he, so the preacher said, I'm going to teach you mathematics, economics, different languages, everything I've ever learned. I'll teach it to you. They can never take you that. They can never take that away from you, right? So he's like, all right, let's do it. Montage. So now it shows Edmund. He's out reading books. He's writing. And then it shows them digging in the tunnel. And they, they dig in the tunnel and they put their the all the dirt that they dig out with their little chisels because they're they're digging through they're digging through concrete. They put it in their like shit buckets where they they shit in, right? And then they take their shits out, get rid of them, right? So he's learning, right? He's learning different languages. He's learning that every action has an equal and opposite reaction. He's learning all these things. He's writing in Latin, he's learning Italian. So then like time goes by and it shows the warden is whipping them. And he's whipping them, and he's like saying things in Latin and, and different languages, and like it doesn't hurt anymore. The lashings don't hurt no more. This dude's hard, right? In the middle of the montage, he's like, they they, they slow down and they're digging. He's like, priest, why are you in here? And he says, I used to be in Napoleon's army, and one day, I was assigned to burn down a church. And I says, did you? To my everlasting shame, I did. And then I went to go work for a count because the soldier life wasn't for me anymore. I worked for a rich count, the Count of Monte Cristo. And when the count passed, Napoleon asked me where I hid the money. And I didn't know where the count hid the money. So he threw me in here to refresh my memory. So you're in here because... Napoleon thinks you know where the money is, but you really don't know where it is. That's correct. So, they continue the montage. They're digging, they're digging. And Edmund says, Priest, since you were in the soldier, you must know. You must know weaponry, right? You must know how to fight. I said, yeah, I do. I mean, the priest says, yeah, I do. They like, teach me how to fight. Teach me how to sword fight. Teach me how to kill, right? Kill. Teach me. If not, I won't help you no more. So the old dude's like, all right. Teaches him, right? He pulls like these old, old pieces of wood off the door. that look like swords. And they're like sword fighting, right? And Edmund sucks. Old dude's getting them. And then Ed, the old dude got him like doing like these little exercises. And there's like in the corner of his room. It's kind of like cave like looking. His, his cell's kind of like a cave looking. It's like water dripping. Boom. Dip. Drip. Drip. And then what Edmund's supposed to do is he's supposed to like Throw his hand in there, like throw a punch in there without the water hitting his hand. So he's trying, but he keeps getting hit with the water. And old dude's like, no, like this. And he's doing it perfectly, bro. He's not getting wet at all. And then Edmund's doing it. He sucks. And they keep going and keep going. And end of montage, right? Now Edmund knows everything. He knows everything, right? Everything the priest knows, he knows. He knows how to fight. And they're digging, right? They're digging. And the priest is digging. And he sees roots. So like, yo. I can see roots. Like no longer are they digging through rock and cement. Now they've hit the dirt, and they're they're getting close to plants and and stuff. So that means they're almost on the outside. So he's like, maybe in three more months, we keep on digging, we can get out of here. So Edmund's like, I'm gonna go get my chisel, and I'm gonna come down and help you. So the priest stays down there. He's like chiseling away, and then you hear the dirt rumbling, and the tunnel caves in on the priest and crushes him. Right. So Edmund's like, oh shit, no priest, priest. So he goes down there. He fucking pulls out the priest, right? Pulls him out. He's a really dramatic moment. Pulls him out. He's like, no, priest, priest, are you okay? And he's like, and the priest is like bleeding, right? And he's he's an old man. He's an old, thin man. He's like, there's as much time. <laughs> go to go to the floor over there and lift up the loose rocks and bring me what you find. 
And he goes over there. He lifts up loose rocks. He brings them with his fine. It's like a, it's like a leather, like a little little leather pouch. And he brings it to the priest. And he's like, this is the map to the treasure of Count Monte Cristo. Use it wisely. And he's like, what? So this is for treasure? He's like, I'm never going to get out of here, priest. I'm never going to get out of here with your help. He's like, no, no, listen, keep going. Everything I, everything you learned, you know, you're going to be all right. But don't use it for revenge. He's like, no, I will use it for revenge. I'm going to use it for revenge, priest. I'm, I'm, I'm going to use it. Yeah, I'm going to use it for fucking revenge. He's like, no, no, never revenge. Right. The priest passes away, hopefully to a better life. So now Edmund's like, fuck, priest, no. So he has everything he ever taught him. The tunnel's gone because it collapsed. He's like, he has the parchment paper or the leather, right? But it just happened to be chow time. So all the all the all the the prisoners get their chow, their food, their gruel. He's like little fucking watery potato soup looks like. So the guards knocking on the bottom to open the slot for the thing, but Edmund doesn't open it. So the the guard looks and he sees the priest laying on the floor. He's like, ah oh, shit, right? So he goes and gets another guard. Because now they see that the priest is dead. So Edmund crawls down in the, in the little tunnel. Because there's still a tunnel from his room. From his cell to the other cell. But the tunnel to get out is, done, is gone. right? So Edmund's sitting in the tunnel. And he's listening to what's going on in the room. And they, uh, they got a couple body bags. And they, they pick up the priest. They put him in the body bags. And they set him in the cell. And they're like alright let's go get the warden. So we give this dude a proper burial. So Edmund has an idea. So he gets out of the tunnel, he jumps up, he grabs Priest, takes him out of the body bag, takes him all the way to his cell, leaves him in his cell. And then he goes and he wraps himself in the body bag, this old leather body bag, right? And he's laying there just waiting for the guards to come back. And the guards come back with the warden. So it's three guards and the warden. So two guards pick him up like by his head and the feet and the warden's leading the way. And the other guard, he goes on to continue feeding the rest of the prisoners. So the warden's like, come on, now I haven't all day. Oh, wait, that's right. I have all the time in the world. <laughs> Evil ass bitch, right? They're fucking charged too. So the warden's leading the way, and they're not going to give him a proper burial. He starts walking to the edge of the cliff. They're going to drop this dude right off the, into the fucking ocean. So that's a problem. If you're trying to escape prison, and they tied weights, they tied fucking like, the balls and chains, you know, they tied him to his ankles. And you, you're going straight to the bottom. You're escaping straight to the bottom of the ocean. But the prisoner that's still fe- feeding the other prisoners, he knocks on Edmund's door. Hey, open up. He, nobody opens. And he looks and he sees the priest. And he's like, how did I? I just saw the priest. We just took a, How did? Oh, shit. Right. So he fucking runs upstairs. And he's trying to call out to the warden. But the warden, they're already at the edge of the cliff. And they're already like swinging fucking Edmund, right? So they're like, one, two. So like the way it's set up is the warden standing in the middle. The two guards are standing on the side closer to the edge and they're swinging them off, right? So the warden has the keys on his belt, like the, the, the key hook, the key, uh, the key ring on his belt. So he can hear the other guard calling him. So he like turns around. He's like, what? So right when it happens, it's like one, two, three. So like why, right when they're swinging them out, Edmund reaches out of the fucking body bag, grabs the fucking keys, and takes the whole like takes the warden with them. They all like Edmund and the warden jump into the fucking water, right? They get tossed like fucking I don't know how fucking like sixty feet, I feel like it was. Straight into the fucking water. The warden swims up. Edmund has the keys, right? So he's like sinking to the bottom and he's like trying to fucking undo the damn locks and, and the chains underwater. So he's like holding his breath. I don't know about you, whenever I see a scene underwater. I like I have to hold my breath too, and if they drown, I feel like I'm drowning. But because I get into it, I hope you're into the movie right now because I get into movies, right? So he finally unhooks his damn chains, and he fucking kicks off and swims to the top, right? So when he gets to the top, the warden is trying to climb up already, and he looks at the warden, and then he looks at freedom, like to the ocean, to the ocean. And he's like, Nah, fuck it. He fucking jumps over here, grabs the warden, and I don't know if he cracks his neck or whatever. Or he just like holds him underwater. But he like leaves the warden floating there, right? Warden's done so. He's dead. And then he just like swims off. And the camera cuts away. And then it cuts away to now it's morning. And he's washed up on the shore. He's all 
You know, he got his prison clothes. He's like all tore up. He got long hair, dirty teeth. Nasty, right? And he can feel the sand and he looks at it. Grabs a handful of sand, looks at it. You know, oh my God, I can't believe he's free, right? He's like, he starts running, right? He starts fucking running on the shore like, whoa, I'm free. I'm free, bitches. He run around and then the, pan, the, the camera pans out. And there's murderous pirates on the shore just watching him running around. And then they grab him. And they bring him to the leader, right? And the leader, like some Italian, he's like, Hello, my name is Luigi Vampirio, and I'm the leader of these, these thieves. Um, before we saw you, we were in a bit of a predicament. So he's like, so he's like, Amongst my crew, there is one that wanted to keep some of the bounty for himself. What am I supposed to do? If I let him go, I lose, I lose uh, control of my, my, my squad. And then, you know, it's going to be hard as fuck. I'm sorry if I couldn't keep that accent. <laughs> but I'll, I'll, I'll try, I'll try. If I let him go, I'll lose control of the squad. But if I kill him, all his friends will revolt against me. But lucky for me, you wash up on the shore. There's no point in asking who you are because the Chateau de Yves is only a couple miles away. So, what I propose to you is you fight Jacobo to the death. And whoever wins... Gets to join my crew. So now he has to knife fight Jacobo for a position on his pirate crew. And, and Luigi says, Oh, and one other thing. Jacobo's the best knife fighter I've ever seen. And Edmund says, Then maybe you should get out more. He's like all dirty. And it's funny because Edmund has just been locked up for literally 11 years. It's been 11 years. I didn't mention that. He was in prison for 11 years getting whipped on the year of, on the, you know what I mean, the day of. But he learned as much as he could. And now he has to fight for his life for a position on this pirate crew. So they say, bring out Jacobo. So Jacobo comes out, played by Luis Guzman. Luis Guzman gets work. I love Luis Guzman. He's a Puerto Rican actor. So Luis Guzman comes out, all bunky, got a big old stomach, got his knife. Edmund got a knife. So they start fighting, right? And he's like learning. He's using everything the priest taught him, right? Tactics, using his body, knife, knife, knife. Boom, he got Jacobo, knocks him on his ass, and he stabs his, his knife next to Jacobo's head in the dirt. He says, if you move, I'll kill you. And he said, Mr. Luigi, I have another proposition for you. The men that wanted to see the fight, they've got it. The men who wanted uh, to spare Jacobo, they've had it. So how about this? Let Jacobo be my personal assistant, and we'll both be in your crew. And now you'll have two experienced sailors. Does that sound good to you? And Luigi says, Yes, welcome to the welcome to the pirate crew, right? <laughs> so they're like, Yeah, pirates. Pirates are dope. He's like, What's your name? He's like, Edmund. He's like, nah, you can't be a pirate and your name be Edmund. We're gonna call you Satara. Satara sounds fierce. What does it mean? It means driftwood. Because he drifted up onto the shore, right? I wish it showed all their piratey adventures, you know, you know, pirate brothers and just robbing and pillaging and doing all kinds of crazy pirate stuff. But it doesn't. It just cuts away and it says, three years later. And he's standing on, on the edge of a ship and someone throws something at him. and He catches it without looking at him. So Edmund's like, his reflexes are sharp as fuck. And he doesn't look as dirty as he did when he was a prisoner. He's like thin. He has a beard. His beard is well kept. He has long, wiry hair. And he's wearing a hoodie. He's like, why are you? Why do you look so down? Have you never been here before? And he's back in his hometown. After so many years, when he last left here, he left a prisoner. He was set up by his best friend. He was locked up and whipped for 11 years. And now he's been a pirate. And now he's done his time with his pirates. Luigi says, I will miss you, brother. But whenever you need something, we'll be here. Right? Edmund's no longer with the pirates, and he gets off. Him and Jacobo. Jacobo's still his assistant. Jacobo's a loyal-ass assistant. That's his boy. Because like when he almost killed him, he said, I'm yours forever. Luis Guzman gets work. So he gets off the harbor, and for a second, it flashes. Right, It's like a flashback of when he first got off at the harbor at the beginning of the movie. And he's young, got his blouse all open. He got his... You know, shiny chest out. 
He has no beard. He has a baby face, but he's really chiseled and defined. Short, curly hair. He's a kid. He's but, but now you see him. He's wiry. There's a dark mist. He has a hood on. He has a beard. He's seen some shit. He's been whipped. He's been locked up. He's learned a lot. So he says, Jacobo, take this money and buy us a boat. I gotta go ask somebody something. I gotta go find some stuff out. So he goes to the old harbor master, who's the guy who he had to go to when he first got there in the beginning. He goes, he's no longer a harbor master. He's retired. He got fired because the economy went uh, economy went bad over here or some shit. So he goes to the, the harbor master's house and he's like nearly blind. He or he is blind. And he's talking to him. He's like, Hey, um, hey, whatever happened to uh, Edmund's dad? Oh, Edmund's dad? When Edmund got taken away for treason, his dad couldn't bear the embarrassment and he hung himself. So Edmund's like, <laughs> he's like trying not to cry, right? But like, he's like, he's real cool about it. He's like, oh, okay, okay, cool. What about uh, Mercedes? Whatever happened to her? He's like, oh, her? About a month after Edmund got uh, taken away, she married Fernand and they moved to Paris. So now he's like, no, right? He's like, we wanted to cry, but he can't cry. He's like, okay, thank you. Thank you. You've been very helpful. So he like leaves him some cash and he meets up with Jacopo. They got a little boat. He's like, come on, Jacopo. We got to go. We got to go do something. So they show up at an island and maybe you've forgotten, but he has a map to the count, the count of Monte Cristo's treasure. So he's like looking at the map. It's like another little montage. He's like looking at the map, looking at the island. He walks around. He's at different spots. Putting two and two together. He's, he's, you know, he's a man of wisdom now. And then he he's at a cave. He goes inside the cave and there's like these clear blue waters. And he felt like, hmm. Takes off his boots. He dives to the bottom of the water. The bottom of the cave and there's like four big ass treasure chests. And he goes to one, pops it open. It's full of gold, jewels, pearls, all kinds of treasure. And then he like, he looks around. And they're like the the entire bottom of the cave is covered with treasure chests, and each each treasure chest is full. Like it's an enorm it's an enormous amount of treasure, and it's all his. So now him and Jacobo are pulling this treasure up somehow, and then and then Jacob uh Edmund's sitting by the campfire, and Jacobo's like, and you have more money than the richest man I've ever heard of. What are we gonna do? Revenge, Jacobo. Okay, tell me who. I'll go down there by the end of the week. Bam, bam, bam. I'm back and we can spend the rest of the treasure. No. They have to feel what I feel and this and that and all kind of revenge, right? So for the last last couple of years, he's been planning his revenge. What would you do? If your friend, your so-called best friend set you up, you got taken away to a prison and they whipped you repeatedly, what would you do? I would would killing somebody be enough? I don't think I'm patient enough to lock him up for another 11 years. But anyway, we'll see what he does. So, he is now the count. So he's like, I need you to put something together, right? So he goes and he buys the biggest fucking mansion he can find, right? And he throws a party for all the biggest people in Paris, the richest people in Paris, in hopes that his girl shows up, Mercedes and Fernand. So he throws a party, and everybody's like, who is this new man? Who is this? I don't know. He's the, I heard he's the Count of Monte Cristo. And there's whispers amongst rich people. And and then Jacobo at the top of the stairs, and like all, all the rich people are mingling at the party. Jacobo says, ladies and gentlemen, I present to you the Count of Monte Cristo. And then in the distance, you see a hot air balloon coming in, and fireworks are going off behind it, and there's smoke, and the... the Acrobat like ropes jump out like fall out of the hot air balloon acrobats dance down and then they pull down the hot air balloon and the count comes in and the count like so now you've seen Edmund as a young sailor as a dirty prisoner as a shady pirate but this is the first time you see him as the count and he looks good he has a nice thick goatee his hair's his hair's not like tight slick back but his back he's wearing a robe he looks like a king. He's royalty now. He's a good looking dude. He says, good evening. And everybody's like, oh my God, that's the count. Right, right. So then he he asked Jacob, like, yo, did they show up? 
said, nah, man, they didn't show up. So his girl didn't come. He said, all right, we got to figure out how to how to get to them. So Jacobo finds out, yo, they have a son. And that kind of hurt Edmund a little bit. He's like, what? They have a son? How old is he? He's like, I don't know. He's like 15. He's like 17, right? He's like, damn, all right. So he's like, yo, but I just found out the son is going to be in Rome next week. Maybe you can set something up, right? He's like, all right. So they go to Rome. The The son, his name's Albert. He's played by young Henry Cavill. Yes, the man of steel. Superman, Henry Cavill. Like 15, 16-year-old Henry Cavill. He's in Rome, and he like some chick lures him into the subways or like into these tunnels. And when he gets into these tunnels, some bad guys, like some, uh, some, uh, some not, not beggars, but like these... These dudes come up, some these thugs. They come up, they tie him up, and they're like, "Yo, we recognize who you are. You're um, your Fernand's son. He owns that company. He's like super rich. We're gonna, we're gonna cut your finger off and send it to your dad, and he'll give us, give us some ransom, right? Very basic bad guys, right? This all, you know what I mean? So Albert says, "Do your worst. I don't care. Kill me, right? You're a very brave kid." And then. In the, in the doorway, you see a silhouette, and it's the Count of Monte Cristo. He comes in, he starts fighting everybody, beating everybody the fuck up. And he's like, you, get out of here. He, like, cuts his rope. He's like, meet me at the top. So he fucking beats everybody up. And then once he sees Albert's gone, you know, all the bad guys come out of the light, and it's his boy Luigi, right? His pirate brothers, right? He's like, here you go, bro. Thanks for helping me out. He's like, we are always your friends, right? Luigi said, like, yeah, I got your back, bro. So he gives him some money, and then he runs up there and meets Albert. And Albert's like, bro, that was awesome. Yo, you got to come to my house for my birthday party next week. Like, Yo, my parents got to, you know what I mean? He's like, no, no, I'm probably way too busy. Look, just come to my house. Just stay over at my house tonight. And um, we'll talk about it in the morning, right? So Albert goes over to his house. They're having breakfast the next day. And um, Jacobo keeps coming in and like interrupting shit with business. About like his, his shipments coming in and on what day and shit like that. And Albert's like, bro, you got to come to my party. Uh, my dad's going to be there. And my parents, gonna, you know, they're going to want to thank you in person for saving me. And he's like, you know what? All right. All right. I'll go. If it's that important to you, I'll go. So he goes to the house. And he's like looking around and shit. And there's um Fernanda's shit bag, right? He's a fucking dumbass. Like his fortune, he's losing it because he's like, always cheating on his wife he's always gambling and like he's trying to figure out what to do and then you see he's still friends with the old prosecutor the one that sent edmund away so so he's like he's talking to the prosecutor he's like yo uh albert he told me that he met up with the count of monte cristo and he has a couple shipments coming in could it be that he has all his treasure he's like yo i'm, I'm gonna hire some dudes to go check it out and if it is we're gonna take all the treasure and keep it for ourselves is that cool with you he's like, yeah we're evil rich dudes yeah right so that's Fernand's plan. So while all this is happening, he's missing his son's birthday. Like Albert, the kid, he wanted the dad, Fernand, to come down here and say like uh, a toast for his birthday because he's turning 17. He's a man. He's a man now. But no, he, Fernand's like, no, I, I got important business to do. I got real shit to do. Fuck you, kid. So the mom's downstairs and she's, um, she's with the count, right? And the count's like sitting across from her. And she's like, like there's water, like she's tearing up. She, she's, she's, she's scared because she has to do this toast for her son, even though she wanted like the dad to do it, like a man, man, manly figure. So she's about to start talking, and the count stands up. He's like, "Excuse me, everyone. I insisted that the mom let me do the toast. I know I'm just a guest, but I just really want to do the toast." And he starts, he's going on right, and. He's talking about Albert. He's like, Albert, life, one day you'll be basking in the sun and the other you'll be shattered on the rocks. But what makes you a man isn't when you bask in the sun. It's when you're shattered on the rocks. So you need to face the winds and you say as you did in Rome, do your worst and I'll do mine. And the fates will know you as we know you. Albert, the man and everybody like raises their glasses, and it's a really like a dope ass moment. And Albert's like, oh God, he's about to cry. He's like, that shit was beautiful, right? He's like, thank you. Yeah, I'm a man now. So it's like it's a beautiful ass moment. And um, like 
the count sits down and he like looks at the mom like gives her the wing like yeah i got you no problem and she's like thank you right like she mouths like thank you and then he's like yeah no problem he like looks around and then he, he reaches up for his hair and he starts twirling his curls just like he did in the beginning and mercedes like, sees that and she's like no way because he she already knew he kind of looked like edmund but now for sure for sure yo this is edmund so at the end of the party like edmund goes to his carriage and she's in there already and she's like edmund he's like what no i'm not edmund i'm the count of monte cristo he's like no you're my edmund she's like no he's he says no i'm not i'm not edmund this and that, and I don't know, and like, I don't know who the fuck this Edmund Dantes person is, so you could just leave me the fuck alone with all that shit, right, and she's like, you're right, my Edmund would never be that mean to me, this and that, and she like leaves, right, she like, he like forces her to get out of the car, she leaves, right, and he fucking, they drive off, he goes to his house, and he's like, Edmund's pissed, he's like, fuck man, I'm so close to ruining this nigga's life, I hate this bitch, whatever, you know, you know what I mean, I don't know what the fuck he says out, so, while that's happening, the Fernand, you know how he planned to steal this dude's shipment. He um the if you remember the first mate, the one that helped Fernand snitch on this dude, he's like in charge of shit now because like he you know whatever right he's in charge of shit. So he's in charge of the smugglers that they hired to go check the ships out. So they hire the smugglers. They're smuggling all the treasures, and Fernand's like, "Yo, these five boxes, just put them over here in a secret location, right?" So he's like already stealing for Fernand or from from edmund but like now he's stealing like on the side for himself so the smuggler's like yeah yeah no problem so the smuggler like steps into the light and it's luigi his pirate bro right so now you know edmund has edmund knows what's going on because the pirate bros are there so fernand leaves and it's just the first mate making sure everything else gets robbed and then edmund shows up and the first mate's like what are you doing here like yo it's my ship what are you doing here so they're like Loki like fighting like they're like throwing fists a little bit and like the fight ends and the Edmonds like uh not the first mate he's like leaning off the ship holding on to like the Count's robes and he's like who are you he's like I'm the Count of Monte Cristo but my friends called me Edmund and he like fucking swipes his fucking robe off and he falls into the water and the cops come and arrest him right so little by little he's like he's getting everybody so he got the first mate now he's gonna go get the prosecutor so the prosecutor's in a bathhouse because he's a no, I'm not gonna say the F word, but he's fucking weirdo, right? He's just at a bathhouse, being a loser and shit, being a chotch. And Dantes walks in there, and Dantes, well, he's the count. He's wearing like a full, he's a fully clothed. He's wearing like a robe, nice has nice has uh clothes and shit. He's like, yo, are you all right? It's hot as fucking here. And Edmund's like, oh, I'm fine, I'm fine. Yo, uh, so what happened uh, a couple years ago? You know, when you sentenced this innocent man to death at at this prison, right? Well, he was assessing, you know. He's asking him, he's like, yeah, I don't know. Like, why are you asking me about that all of a sudden? And Edmund, he's like turning up the heat in the sauna room or, in, you know, where they're at. He's like, yo, could you stop? It's just too hot. Like, and he's like asking him, like, yo, so why'd you do it? This and that. Why'd you do it? He's like, okay, I did this. And uh, me and Fernand, Fernand promised to kill my dad if I sent it to you. And then, you know what I mean? So like pretty much it was like this plot so they can take over and get Edmund out of here. So the uh, the fucking the prosecutor he's like like losing his mind he's like okay okay i did it and then the the smoke clears and all the cops are in there so that's a confession so they like they take him out and it's the same paddy wagon that he sent edmund in to the prison so the prosecutor gets out and he goes into the paddy wagon right and the guard like the police dude he like looks in there and he's like a courtesy from a gentleman so the prosecutor looks in the seat next to him and there's like a one of those old revolver musket pistols right so he's like fuck because you know he's like he's this like high up he's like the da of wherever of france or paris wherever he's at and like now to be like all that's going to be gone so will you deal with the embarrassment of being locked up and losing it all or you take this pistol revolver to your head so he's looking at it and he's like fuck it so he like puts it to his head and pulls the trigger and it just clicks because it wasn't loaded and Edmund pops in, like, he pops his head in through the, through the bars, and he's like, that would be too good for you, right? He said, it's not going to be that easy, right? So he fucking sends him the fuck off. Now there's only one left to get his revenge on. So he goes home, and guess who's at the house? It's Mercedes, the chick. And she's like, I know you're Edmund. And she's like, and he says, how do you know I'm, why would you say I'm Edmund? 
Because you said you don't know who Edmund Dantes is. And I never said his last name was Dantes. So you're like, damn, Edmund slipped up. So Edmund says, well, if you really know, if you really loved me, why'd you marry him? Why'd you do this? Why'd you do this? You promised you would never leave me. And she takes off her glove and she's still wearing the string that she had in the beginning when she said, this is all I ever need. And I'll always love you. She still had the string. And he said, why'd you marry him? She said, because I was pregnant with your baby. And I couldn't just, you know, in those times, you can't just have a baby. Got to be married. So she said, I married him. Out bears your son. And that makes sense because you look at them, they look alike. Henry Cavill and, and this dude, Edmund. It doesn't look nothing like Fernand. So she's like, so they like make out, have sex on the bed. It was amazing. So now he's like, yo, Edmund says, fuck my revenge. I don't care about that. I just want to take you and our son and let's get out of here. We would never have to worry about money or anything ever again. We set. She's like, all right, bet. So she goes home, starts packing her shit. And Fernand, at this point, he knows that the smuggle, the deal, you know, because they had to smuggle the boats, everything was, it went wrong. So they have no, no like money. But he, remember, he stole those one, those five chests. They took him to the side, the secret location. That's all he has left. So she's, he's like, babe, get your shit together. We're leaving. And she's like, no, I'm not leaving with you, loser. Right? He's like, what do you mean you're not leaving with me? He says, no, fuck you. I'm leaving with the Count of Monte Cristo. He's like, no, you're not going to leave me this and that. All right, fuck it. I'm out. So he fucking leaves. Like, he's like a baby. He's a fucking chach. So this is another definition of a chach. Maybe one day I'll have a, like a t-shirt line and they'll have like a chach. The chach is from every movie. So the prince from The Princess Bride, this guy, the fucking chach from Ready Player One, all the chaches, right? We're growing, right? We're going to have a t-shirt line. Everything's going to be cool. So anyway, so he runs off to this uh, secret location and where he has the five treasure chests. And then the wife, the the chick, she goes back to Edmund. And Edmund's like, you know what? I'm going to fuck this nigga up. Fuck him. I'm going to continue my revenge plan. So he goes, he follows uh, Fernand out there. So Fernand's looking at the treasure chest. He like, pops them open and they're all full of dirt. There's no treasure. They're all full of dirt. He checks the first one, second one, all of them, except for the last one. He opens it up and at the bottom of it, standing alone, is the king piece from the chess set. So he looks at it and he's like, what the fuck? And Edmund's behind him. He's like, hello, Fernand. He's like, what the fuck? Count, what are you doing here? He's like, nah, it's not the Count, dog. It's me. He's like, oh, shit, right? So they recognize him. And so they start sword fighting. They start sword fighting. And fucking, he's fucking him up with the sword. And eventually, Fernand's sword breaks. So he got him cornered. All you have to do is like stab this bitch. He's about to kill him with his. For Edmund's about to kill Fernand. Finally, get his sweet revenge. But out of nowhere, Albert comes up. He's like, get away from my dad! And he's like fighting. He starts fighting Edmund, and Edmund's like, I don't care, bro. Like, just get the fuck out of my way. So, and then Mercedes shows up. Jacobo's there, and the whole it's a whole family matter, right? So, <clears throat> while this is happening, Albert doesn't know Edmund's the dad yet. Fernand doesn't know either, but like he has suspicions. Oh no, I think she told him. So now she's like, Albert, relax. I have something to tell you. Uh, this nigga's actually your dad. And he's like, what? No, I can't, I can't believe this. And then Fernand's like, yeah, your mom was a bitch. You know, your mom was a fucking whore. So like, while this happens, Fernand like pulled out a revolver out of nowhere. So he's about to fucking shoot Edmund. But Jacobo, you know, he got them old pirate reflexes. You know, he came from the bottom. I wish there was a story just on Jacobo. Jacobo had a throwing knife in his sleeve. He fucking threw that shit. Boom. Hit Fernand's hand. Knocked the damn pistol. Like, knocked the trajectory off. And it, it missed Edmund, but it fucking shot Mercedes in the shoulder, right? But nobody's dead. So, he's like, oh, shit. So, he tries to run away. So, Edmund, he goes to Mercedes. Everybody goes to Mercedes. And they're like, yo, I'll take care. I'm going to go handle Fernand, right? So, you fucking go out there. And Fernand, he, like, he gets on a horse. And he's about to ride away. He was able to take a Albert's sword. So he's riding away. And he looks off into the distance. And you know, you can only imagine in his mind. And he's like, am I really going to live on the run, broke, and not have killed this dude? No, nah, I'm about to kill this dude. So he turns around. He goes back to, to Edmund. And Edmund's coming right for him, right? So Fernand's on the horse. So he's like, right, he's riding to him. He's like fucking swings at Edmund. Edmund ducks, right? So now they're like, they're fighting in this tall grass. Just a good old-fashioned sword fight. 
So they're fighting, and now you see the difference from the first fights when Edmund didn't know how to sword fight for non dead. So now they're like, I would say evenly matched, but I feel like Edmund knows a little better because he learned from like an old soldier, and then he had to like hold his own against these pirates and doing all these pirate shits. And then Fernand's just like, he was just taught in like whatever classes. So, you know, Edmund has his extra experience. So Edmund's fucking him up, but Fernand knocks Edmund's sword out of the fucking way into the tall grass. So now Edmund's just holding his own with his fucking fist, right? Like some goddamn martial arts shit. So he's fucking fucking him up, and then he like fucking runs. He like dives. Like Fernand's chasing him. Edmund dives into the tall grass, finds his sword, and like comes back up and stabs Fernand straight through the fucking heart. And Fernand stops, right? He's done. He's just looking at him with his eyes open, right? And he falls over dead. And he's like, oh, he stands up and drops the fucking chest piece on him like a gangster. And then, he, and then Mercedes come out. The sun comes out. Jacobo and everybody's all right. And the camera fades away. And now they're standing on top of the cliff where the prison's at, the Chateau d'If. And he stabs the sword in the ground in memory of priest. He's a priest, thank you. You really helped me out. No longer will I, no longer will my money be used for revenge. Thank you for everything you taught me. So he like it was like for a priest, he goes back there. And then he hugs his wife, he hugs his son. And he hugs Jacobo probably, I don't remember. And then like the camera zooms into the prison and it goes to his old cell. And then it just shows God will give me justice on the side of the wall. And that's how the movie ends. And it's over. One of my favorite movies, The Count of Monte Cristo. It was a remake. I'm pretty sure this movie came out in 2002. And the original one was like black and white. Uh, it's definitely one of my top three. Later on, I'll give it a bit. But later on, I'll do my the other one of my top three. Which is actually... Nah, I'll just tell y'all later. So, that was it for this episode. Wednesday episode. I hope you guys are safe. Hope you guys are happy. Stay happy. If you're not happy, find something. Maybe it's my podcast. Maybe that makes you happy. Maybe it's I say something and it leads you to do something else, and that makes you happy. But just be happy, all right? Because life's too short. So drink enough water. So that's the Dr. Deborah Barbershop. I'm out. Be safe.